The scripture reading today will be Nehemiah 8, 1 through 6. I will note in verse 4 there are quite a few names, so forgive me if I mispronounce some and or all of them. Uh, now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Before the men and women, those who could understand, and the ears of all people who were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him, at his right hand, stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Messiah, or Messiah. And at his left hand stood Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord, with their faces to the ground. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, according to Psalm 19. I'm going to ask you today to take a card, uh, either a card from the back of your pew or from the, your space for the notes in the bulletin. If you can find something, some kind of paper to write on, I've got something I want to ask you to write down in just a moment. Find a writing utensil. There should be some on the back of the pew in front of you. I'm going to be honest with you all today. It's been a busy month as far as getting ready for vacation Bible school completely slipped my mind that Father's Day was coming up in my sermon planning. Uh, so today is not actually directly related to fathers, but it is related to fathers. This is going to be related to everyone. If you are a father who is here, uh, we appreciate the hard work that you, you do. Uh, we are so thankful that you've joined us today, uh, and we are going to be looking at the Word of God today, the exercise I have for you right now as we get into our sermon is this, on that piece of paper, I want you to write down two things. I want you to first to write down your favorite verse of the Bible. Your favorite verse of the Bible. Now, if you want to write it out in its entirety, if you know it by heart, that's fine. Uh, if you just want to write the reference, if you know the reference, write that down. If you don't have anything to write, that's okay. We'll hold on to that for a little bit later. And then once you've got that, I want you to write down which books of the Bible that you have read this year in their entirety. Which books of the Bible that you have read this year in their entirety? We are getting close to the midway, the midpoint of the year, and so this is a little bit of a checkup on that to see how we're coming along with that Bible reading. Which Bible books of the Bible that you've read this year in their entirety? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Psalm 19 goes on and tells us that the Word of God is more precious than gold. It's going to say that the Word of God is sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. 
It's going to use some powerful language to talk about how vital and how appetizing, really, that the Word of God should be for us. Now, if someone came up to you today and then had a nice, freshly baked piece of bread, whatever your favorite bread is, and it's just dripping with fresh honey, is that something that you want to turn away for most of us in here? Maybe you have some allergy to honey. Other than that, is that something you're going to want to turn away if it was offered to you? If someone walked in the door today and was handing out gigantic bars of solid gold that you could have <laughs> to have the value of what that would be and was giving them out to you, is that something that you would turn down? Yet I'm convinced a lot of us have not treated the Word of God with that type of excitement, with that type of value, with that type of urgency. Today, I want us to be looking at three approaches to Scripture, to getting the most out of your Bible time. And I'll say up front that it is not going to be enough for you. If you truly view the Bible as honey dripping from honeycomb, as, as valuable as gold, then your taking in of the Scriptures if you are just relying on the time when we meet together on a Sunday to take in the Scriptures, you're not treating it as gold. You're not treating it as honey. It is not sweet in your mouth if you are not spending some more time with it. We need time together to spend with the Word. It is arrogant to think that you will be able to understand everything and that you can't learn from the contributions of others in our time together. To just have your own practice of religion without God's church. But it is also a form of arrogance to think that you're going to get everything that you need just from the time whenever we're together. You need private time with the Word of God, personal time with the Word of God, and we need communal time with the Word of God. God designed it that way where we would have both. Today what I want to offer you are three approaches to the Scriptures that I think are vital. That I think if, if we rely just on one of these and not take in the other two, then we're going to be missing out on a lot of what God wants us to see when we come to the Scriptures. Getting the most out of our Bible time. I begin here by thinking of sometimes how we view the Bible in ways that God does not intend us to. One of the ways is this. I think sometimes we view the Bible as just a buffet of different verses from which you can pick and choose. Now, I love a buffet. I love going through because I get to customize my meal. I get to as much of something that I want. In this illustration, it's a salad bar. You know, if there are items on that salad bar that you don't like, then you can just ignore them and you can just pick out the ones that you like. We love that. But that's not how the Bible is meant to be read. It is not just you gathering what you want here, one verse here, one verse there. I had you write down a favorite Bible verse. It's not a bad thing to have a favorite Bible verse. I think it's a very good thing to know a favorite Bible verse. But if we are just picking one favorite Bible verse here, one favorite Bible verse here, 
And that's all that we are getting is just picking and choosing a few verses out of the Bible that speak to me, then we are missing out on what the Bible was intended to be. It is not just going through and picking out a few favorites. It is much more than that. It's not a buffet of verses because you extract that verse from its context. Do you know the Bible originally did not have any verse numbers? It didn't have any chapter numbers? It didn't have any headings? Except for like the book of Psalms where the actual heading was there at the above, above it. Other than that, there's no headings in the original text. There's no chapters dividing it. There's no verses that are there. Those were added later on and they can be helpful. They help us to, to organize, to be able to reference back to those parts of Scripture. But sometimes we can, they can mess us up. They can cause us just to extract one verse out of something and ignoring what is around that. Some of you may have written down for your favorite Bible verse. I'm not getting on to you if you did. Probably the most common that I see of a favorite Bible verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That may be the only part of Philippians you know, however. I saw a tweet the other day that someone put out saying, I can do all things through a Bible verse taken out of context. And that is easy to do with anything that we take out of context. Here's another approach to the Bible that we've got to be careful about. We don't view it as a data matrix. The Bible was written as, as words, as, as narratives, as poems, as prophecy, as it was written in such a way as to be read as literature. Now, it's much more than literature, okay? But it is written in the form of books, as letters that are written from, from someone to someone else, to a church or to an individual, as they're being inspired, as Paul or Peter or John is writing to, to fellow Christians. They're written as, as a, an, a biographical account of the works of Jesus. You know, these, these books are much more than just well, let me, let me enter in a word search and find all the words that, are, how, how many times this word is mentioned, and just pull a couple of verses here together and connect them whether they're meant to be connected or not. That's not how the Bible was intended to be read. It's intended to be read as one large book, as we're going to be talking about in our VBS next week, as one big story that's leading to Jesus, and that's pointing us to him. We've got to be very careful about not taking it and doing something with it. There's a popular book a few years ago even called The Bible Code. This is the theory that if you line up all the Hebrew letters from the Bible in matrix form and you can do, you can circle these, whatever you want to find there that's going to even tell you different events that have happened in world history or are about to happen in world history. That is not how the Bible was meant to be read. The Bible is much more than that. Here are three ways I want to encourage you today to get the most out of your Bible time. The first is this. It's reading the Bible in chunks. Reading it in large portions. This is based on this principle. Bible books were meant to be read in their entirety. They were. Now, there's some value which we'll get to about focusing on a very small portion of Scripture. That is going to be part of one of these three approaches today. But Bible books were meant to be read in their entirety. Now the first part of this we're talking about privately. We have a great privilege of being able to, to do that. I preached a few weeks ago on a Sunday night of, of the age that we live in where 
there are more Bibles in print in all the languages of the world than we have ever been able to imagine, that past generations would ever be able to imagine. You have access to it. You can pull it up electronically. You can, you can go buy a copy for a dollar at some places. There is no excuse for not being able to take the chance to read the Bible in its entirety. And I say that because there is value in even reading an entire book of the Bible in one sitting, in one chunk. There is a lot of value to that. Um, a friend of mine, his name is Wes McAdams. He has a blog called Radically Christian, and he does excellent work. He's actually written a book recently. He's put this out from a pro based on a project that he did last year, and that was trying to, to go through the entire Bible and he was committing to, I'm going to sit down today and I'm going to read the entire book of Genesis. And then he would reflect on what he noticed when he read that entire book. And then he would come back and maybe the, the next week he would sit down and he would read the entire book of Exodus. In one sitting, in one day at least. And he committed to do that with every book of the Bible. He's put this out as reflections on that. You will notice things that you would miss otherwise if you are just reading the Bible in small pieces. There is value to reading entire books, even in one sitting. I know that may sound crazy to some of you to take 50 chapters, a book like Genesis, and be able to read that in one day. But it is possible to do. Pick you a day where you have some time, challenge yourself, and we'll talk about some ways to do that in a moment, but what to look for. I want to give you some practical things today. If you're going to take a book of the Bible and you're going to be, be reading it, whether it's in one sitting or whether it's over the course of a few days, what do you want to look for? How, what's the value of this? You're going to notice things from the beginning of that book to the end. Every book of the Bible is highlighting certain key words and phrases that are telling us something about God, something about the gospel message that's important. In this particular book, if I'm reading Exodus, what are the repeated words and phrases that I'm finding? If I'm reading, if I'm reading through the Song of Solomon, what am I seeing as the themes of this book that are developing? If I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew, what am I finding there? For example, in Matthew, I keep seeing that word fulfilled over and over. Jesus is fulfilling these, all these different scriptures and these ideas that the Jewish people would have been familiar with. That's a theme that the Holy Spirit is guiding Matthew to highlight for us because he wants to see us to see Jesus as the fulfillment of a story that God has been working on all along. That's just one example of something that you will notice, you'll pick up on if you stick with one book and read it in its entirety. Here's something else. Which questions and problems with the human condition does this book raise? You know, what does it tell us about who, who we are? Where do I see myself when I read about David and his flaws? Do I see myself in, in Abraham and, and in his triumphs and in his, his flaws? Well, what is this telling me about that? Well, are, are these issues resolved by the end of the book? How might Jesus bring fuller resolution later in the Bible? Let me give you an example of this. If you're reading through the book of, of Judges, you're going to be looking for those words and phrases that you see repeated. You're going to see this repeated several times in the book of Judges. And that is, in those days, there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you're actually going to see the book end with that expression. 
Now that's a puzzling way to end a book of the Bible. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes because there was no king in Israel. That is a book that does not give you complete resolution to the gospel message. But it is intentionally setting you up to continue reading the next book. And ultimately setting you up for appreciating the final king who was to come, Jesus, who would bring something where we would not have to live by just following after what was right in our own eyes. So the themes that you're seeing, the words and phrases that you see repeated, they are pointing to Jesus. I'm convinced that we need to be able to see what God is communicating, a message of Jesus and what the gospel is from every book of the Bible. Not just from the New Testament, not just from your favorite book, not just from what you consider to be the gospel story, maybe just the death, burial, and resurrection chapters of each of the gospels. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful, but the entire Bible tells the gospel. Whether it's through the narrative, whether it's through poetry, whether it's through prophecy, or whether it's through the law codes that are raising questions in our minds of how is this going to be resolved, and it keeps you reading, it keeps you looking forward until you see how Jesus begins to make sense of all of this. You're going to see that more if you tackle the Bible, if you're willing to in large chunks. If you're taking some notes and you want to challenge yourself today, I'm going to give you some exercises. If you've not done this in the past, if this is not a habit for you of reading entire books, I'm going to give you some places to start. Just start small. Read the book of Philemon. It's one chapter. Read it in its entirety. Write down a couple of things that you see there of ideas that are repeated or questions that, that you see raised there in that text. You're going to work your way up. Read the book of Philippians. Not just go into that one verse, Philippians 4.13, and saying, well, this is my favorite verse in this book. I'm just going to stick with this one. Read the entire book. Four chapters. Do you know how long four chapters will take the average person to read? Probably only 10 to 15 minutes. It's, it won't take you that long to read through it. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Read it in its entirety. Listen to it as if you were there listening to Jesus teach all of this. You're going to see things that you would not have seen if you had just tackled it with just a couple of verses at a time. Then challenge yourself a little more. Read Genesis. Start with Genesis 1 through 11. Read that chunk. You can do that within about an hour or so. Read Genesis 1 through 11 in one city. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. 12 chapters. Read the Gospel of Mark. We're studying that on Wednesday nights. Maurice is leading us in that study. Read it in its entirety in one sitting. If you don't think that's possible, I had a, we had a class when I was in college, and the teacher specifically made this point. Life of Christ, it's a class everyone takes freshman year of college, and we had done a lot of studying about Jesus from all of the Gospels. But he wanted to make the point that the Bible is not so large that you can't, you can't just sit down and read a book in its entirety. We read the entirety of the Gospel of Mark in one class session, which is really just a little over an hour, about an hour and 20 minutes that we have. And we read it out loud. You can read even faster if you're reading it to yourself, but we read it out loud to hear the entire message at once. And when you hear that message of Jesus from the beginning of the Gospel that it starts off with in chapter 1, 
to the end with his resurrection, you're going to see big picture stuff that you haven't noticed before. I'll also encourage you to do this. Maybe you have troubles concentrating, just sitting, reading from your text. Get you an audio version of the Bible. Listen to it read. Or listen to it. You can, you can pull up for free the Version app. And you can uh, have multiple translations read to you while you're driving somewhere. Now, some people will listen to I have a friend. He, he listened to the entire New Testament over the course of a weekend. You can do that. It's not that hard to do. It may seem overwhelming, but it's not. Read the book of Romans, another 16-chapter book. Read, here's your one more challenge here. Take the book of Acts. Take a day where you have, uh, get up a little early before work. Take about an hour in the morning to read Acts 1 through 14. And then take about an hour in the evening to read Acts 15 through 28. And you'll have read the entire book of Acts in one day. This is possible. Try it if you haven't before. So we need to read the Bible in chunks. Our scripture reading today was from Nehemiah chapter 8. If all of this sounds overwhelming to you and that you could never concentrate for that long, the Bible also talks about reading the Bible together, collectively, publicly, reading it in large chunks. The book of Nehemiah is set in the time where they have returned from their exile and they are wanting to reestablish what it means to be God's people. They want to revisit the law. and They want to, to make sure we're doing things as we're supposed to. They actually find some things in there that they have not been doing, that they haven't been practicing it. But Ezra the scribe gets up, and as far as I know, the only mention of a, a podium or a pulpit, we may say, in the Bible, they set it up for him because he's going to be standing for a while, but he has everyone stand up. They stand up out of reverence for the Word of God, and he reads, and he reads from the early morning until midday. He's probably reading several books of the Bible, maybe the entirety of Genesis through Deuteronomy during that time to reestablish what it meant to be God's people. If they can stand for several hours while possibly five books of the Bible are read, do you think we can take just a few minutes of our day and read a four-chapter book through? I think we can. And I think we need to be giving more attention to larger chunks of Scripture, just the reading of it, as part of our time whenever we are together. As you know, I don't shy away from assigning some longer Scripture readings sometimes, those of you that help us with that, and I appreciate that so much. 1 Timothy 4.13 even mentions this. Until I come, Paul is saying, Timothy, as he's working with the church at Ephesus, he, he focuses on devoting yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And then he adds to exhortation and to teaching. We've got to read it. We can't even begin to exhort on it and teach it unless we're first reading it. Colossians 4.16, at the end of this letter that uh, Paul is writing to the, letter, to the church at Colossae, he tells them, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. If you've been in some of my Bible classes, especially with one of these letters, if we're studying a letter from the Scriptures, one thing I like to do, if time allows in our last class session, is just to read that letter in its entirety. After we've talked about it, after we've studied it, to read it publicly. This is how the Word of God was originally intended, was to be read in large chunks. All right. That is our first approach to Scripture. Don't worry, we're not spending quite as much time with these others. But we also read the Bible in small chunks. There is value to this as well. 
And we read specifically for meditation and memorization. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. The Psalms speak continually about meditating on the Word, not just reading on it, but stewing on it, letting it sink in, letting it become a part of you. But we do this in small sections. There is value to reading the entire book of Genesis to see the themes that are there and how it's setting you up for understanding Jesus. But there is also value in taking just a few verses, sometimes even just one verse, maybe even just a part of a verse, and to really focus on every word of that message. Taking it in small sections and not being afraid to return to the familiar. I don't know about you, there, there's a couple of kinds of people in the world, I've talked with Miranda about this, we're more likely, if, I, if we go out to a restaurant, Miranda, if she finds a dish that she likes, she's more likely to order the same dish each time that we come back, because it's a sure thing, it's a good thing. She keeps coming back to the familiar, and that's a good thing. I do that in some places, but I'm also a little more uh, adventurous. I like to try new things. Sometimes that backfires. Sometimes I find something that I like even better. But I have a personality where I'm always looking for, for new things. Now, that can be a good thing. That can be a dangerous thing, especially when it comes to the scriptures. I like to learn new things. I like to read more. I like to find out. Now, part of that, though, part of the danger is to say, well, I've already read the book of Philippians. I'm done with that. I need to read something else, and there's nothing more I can get out of that. Well, pretty soon you've read the entire Bible, if you are reading it in large chunks, and you may come to the conclusion of, well, I've read the Bible now, I'm done. Well, you haven't really meditated on it. Every bit of Scripture is there for you to return to, as familiar as it may be, even if you already have it memorized. There is value in returning to it and thinking through it letting it sink in. I had the privilege of reading one of these uh, uh, children's books recently from E.L. Konigsberg, uh, and I love, like this, it's an older book, but there's a character in here who's asking this, this older lady a question. This Claudia said, but Mrs. Frank Weiler, you should want to learn one new thing every day. And he listened to what she says. No, I answered. I don't agree with that. I think you should learn, of course, and some days you must learn a great deal. But you should also have days when you allow what is already in you to swell up inside of you until it touches everything. And you can feel it inside you. If you never take time out to let that happen, then you just accumulate facts. That is so true when you think about the Word of God. There's a lot of people who know a lot of Scripture and they don't believe a word of it. There's a lot of people who know a lot of Scripture. They know a lot of facts about Scripture. They know a lot of background to words, historical background, everything else. And it hasn't changed them one bit. They haven't spent enough time meditating on it, reflecting on it, letting it sink in to where it becomes a part of them and it touches everything in their life. There's an anonymous Chinese evangelist who said this, he said, I've discovered that it is dangerous to learn truth at a rate faster than we can practice it. And I think there's a lot of insight there. He's working with people who are brand new to, to the Bible, to Christianity. Sometimes we want to overwhelm people and say, well, you've got to learn the whole story right away. Well, again, I think that we've got to, there's value in reading it in large chunks. But there's also value 
in picking out a few places to really spend a lot of time meditating, letting it become a part of you. Learn to do this, and then we will go on to this. We need to approach the Bible this way as well. We need to see the forest, but there's also value in, in studying each tree that is there, looking at it. And that brings us to the third way to read the Bible. Sometimes people go straight to this, and that is to connect dots. Now I'm convinced you cannot do this effectively, you cannot do it accurately, unless you are also approaching the Bible in the other ways. You cannot just say, well this is going to be, and sadly there's a lot of preachers that will take this approach to their preaching, this is what I want to preach on, this is the conclusion I've already reached, now let me just do a word search and find a few verses I can tack on there and, and, and say that we've, we've done something from the Bible. And they're missing out on the real breaking down expository preaching of the text. But there is some digging and there is some mining that is there. There is getting more out of your reading whenever you get into these texts. And that comes with comparing passages. That comes with, okay, well this is what, what happened here as Matthew tells what happened in the life of Jesus. Let me see what Mark focuses on for those same events. You know, what can I learn from comparing these two accounts? This is what Paul says in Galatians, this is what Paul says in Romans, this is what James says over here, all about justification by faith. What, what do I make of all of this? How do I sort through this? There's value to word studies, to being able to, to look at the background of those and seeing how those words and phrases are used. Sometimes you see that the New Testament, one of the most effective ways of what I mean by connecting dots, is to see that maybe someone in the New Testament refers to something and you will see that it's an allusion to something in the Old Testament. It's a quote from the Old Testament even sometimes, or it's at least using the vocabulary of the Old Testament. Paul says you're a temple. What does that mean? Well, go back and read what a temple is in the Old Testament. You know, the book of Revelation uses these symbols. Well, you're going to be lost in Revelation if you don't do some connecting of these dots and looking back to how these things have been used in the past. The Bible intentionally uses the vocabulary of other Bible passages to help you connect these dots. The Bible's trying to help you out in connecting these dots and getting the most out of your Bible reading that you can. Today, my challenge to you simply is do you love God? Do you love Him enough to listen to Him? You know, there are a lot of a lot of places people go to to have a chance to listen to someone special that they've been looking forward to hearing. Now there's either these events for fans of comic books and of movies, uh, Comic-Con and other places, and they will, they'll go and they'll even dress up and get excited just for the chance to hear a, someone talk a little bit about an upcoming movie that's coming out. Those of you that may have an interest in something academic, you know, there's, there could be a world-renowned physicist who's coming and you, you, you go to hear him, to hear what he has to say. The God of the universe has given you what he has to say. It's dripping with honey. It's as valuable as gold, more valuable than gold. It's here. What are you doing with it? Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for preserving it for us. Father, we, we confess to you today 
that we have not spent enough time in your word. We confess to you that we may have just picked out a few verses that are favorites of ours and maybe even don't understand the full meaning of them, maybe have not read the entirety of your word. Father, we know it can sound overwhelming to us, but give us the commitment today to study your word, to read it in our, on our own, to read entire books of the Bible, and to read small portions of the Bible as we meditate on it, to even start memorizing those portions word by word until it becomes a part of us. May we live it out. And help us also, as give us the wisdom to connect the dots, to understand the right, to come to the right conclusions on doctrine, on our practice, to look at the entirety of your word. Father, may we not just rely on this time of preaching or even just our time of Bible study when we come together. May we take a comprehensive approach of personal time, private time, and public time communal time when we are together. Father, we love you. Thank you for speaking to us. May we be willing to listen. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if you are here and you're struggling with something in your life that we can pray about on your behalf, we're going to sing a song of encouragement. You have an opportunity to share that with us today. Or if you are here as someone who is not even sure if you are in the body of Christ, if you haven't given your life over to him completely, Jesus died on a cross to make atonement for your sins. He made a payment for those sins so that in exchange you could have his righteousness and you could start to live within that righteousness. But we have to accept that. We accept that by faith, a faith that compels us to repent, to turn from the direction we were in, a faith that compels us to confess it, to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God a faith that compels us to be baptized into Christ. The scriptures tell us that by faith in the working of God in that moment of baptism, we, we meet Jesus. We're being buried with him. We're being clothed with him as we come back up with him. It is baptism for the forgiveness of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you need that today, please come as together we stand and as we sing.